This podcast is a ministry of Christian Life Center in Berwyn, Illinois. Our goal is to create a real faith for the real world, and we hope this helps you grow. For more information on Christian Life Center, visit us at our website, www.berwynag.org. Thank you. I hope this is an encouraging word tonight to uh, tell you how far you've come. You know, you've come a long way, right? That used to be the cigarette commercial, you came, you've come a long way, baby. Is that what it was? Came a long way, baby? How many of you remember the cigarette commercials, period? Any cigarette commercials? It's illegal now. You can buy them and you can smoke them, but you can't see them on TV. So we're talking tonight about uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, and all the way through 10, very po- uh, powerful yet very popular verse of scripture, verses of Scripture. And uh, Paul is writing to the Ephesian church. The purpose of his writing there is to acknowledge the great work, the theological work, the theological expression of what God has done in our hearts. And if you're feeling a little low today or if you're... Um, hurting in your body, or uh, or if I, just give thanks, you know, just give thanks, you know. If I blow out my voice in the middle of this, it'll just be a prayer meeting, okay? So uh, I brought a little water up here, at least that's what I'm telling you it is, water. <laughs> so anyway, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body and and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I thought to myself, maybe I am going to lose my voice in this message because the word that uh, Pastor Seth gave was that God is uh, not finished with you yet. And so that's sort of the message that we're looking at here. Look all the way back. Look at the. We're going to look at the theological description. Sometimes we don't do so good with theology. Ephesians is the celebration of the work of God. Let's just understand that that's what it is. And so we've been talking about last week it was, you know, him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you ask or think. What a great, powerful word that is. Again, tonight, this is a powerful word, that, that you were dead. And so we entitled this Dead Men Walking. Dead Men Walking. You've seen the movie where they cry out as the man leaves the, the cell heading towards the electric chair, dead man walking. Well, in the reality, that's what, that's what we were. We were people walking around in death. That was the promise that God gave to 
Eve, wasn't it? That if you eat of this tree, that you will surely, on the day that you do that, you will surely die. And right away, Satan comes and tells uh, these children of God, did God really say that? Did God really say that? He immediately gets you to doubt what God has said will surely be the consequences of your action. And so because of that, there's a death. Now, we know that death came into the world via, via sin. We know that the world, we were not created to die. with This body, though it has a shelf life on it, wouldn't it be nice if you could look up on the bottom of your feet and see this body expires on such and such a date, and you could, you could know when to get ready and be right with him to meet the Lord, right? Wouldn't it be some of you will check that tonight when you get in your, in, in your bathroom there, hold your feet up to the mirror, see if you got any hints there. But there aren't any hints there. You, it's a surprise. We don't know when, how long, you know, 70, 80, if we have the strength. We don't know how long or when our day will come, but we know this is one thing. We will all stand before the Lord. And the result of Adam's sin is that all of humanity is under the curse of, of, that, of the Lord because of that. Because of that sin, they all enter into death. That's physical death, of course, you know. Paul tells us that physical death came into the world through one man in the book of Romans. And he also says that spiritual death came into the world through one man uh, by that one act. And so death, the death that Paul is talking about here when he calls us dead men is he says that we are dead men walking because we have been walking around in the the, uh, atmosphere, the attitude of death. He says... You used to live, and you were, NIV says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Trespasses and sins are a little bit different, marginally different. Sin is missing the mark. It's uh, shooting at the target and not quite hitting it square. And uh, trespasses are, are violations or breakings of the law. And so whether or not you do it by accident or on purpose, you know, a sin is an accidental uh, missing, you don't intend to miss. You don't. You're shooting for the target. And that's accidental to miss that. Or transgression, which is willful, to willfully break a law and transgress a law, whether it's willful or whether it is by your own uh, uh, mishap or omission, perhaps you still uh, are receive the fruit of death. You are dead. For as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. He says, we used to live in these. We used to walk in these. He said, we, we, we followed two ways. There's, two really, there's really only three ways to, to, to sin. Aren't you glad for that? Only three ways to sin. Uh, you can check them off as we talk. It says, you followed the ways of the world. That's the external pressure of the world that forces you into its mold, and you find yourself... Uh, commiserating with them and finally being squished into their mold and the ways of the world push you into sin. How many of you have ever done that? Oh, you liars, raise your hand. You've done, you've done that before. You've felt yourself. Remember when you said, I just want to be different. I want to be myself. I don't want to be like anybody else, so I'm going to grow my hair long and wear bell-bottom pants. Remember when you said that? You were really saying you were going to do it just to be different, but you were doing it just because everyone else was doing it, right? Don't get me started on that. The ways of the world, the pressure pushing us down into its mold. And then he says, so we lived in this, in this pattern of the world, and the pattern of the world was pressing us into its mold. And then the other way to do it is, the other way to sin, 
in case you didn't know, is to follow the ruler of the kingdom of the air. This mysterious passage is to recognize that Satan is the ruler, the prince of the power of the air. He is the ruler of the atmosphere around the earth. If we can think of it like this, that the atmosphere, the place where we live is the battleground right above us, and the atmosphere right above us is the, is the uh, place where spirit, the spiritual realm all around us. If we were to go even higher than that, it would go up into the heavenlies where there was, we would oversee that, and above that, there would be, in the, in the minds of the, of the first century thinkers, there would be heaven. Now, we know that the moon and the stars and the universe is above that. But, but above that would be heaven. And so God is seated in, in heaven, and Jesus, now uh, crucified and raised from the dead, sits at the right hand of God the Father. And then right below that, you are seated with him in the heavenlies, and in all, all over that area where there's this spiritual battle going on. It almost sounds as if we should be uh, bulletproof, but we're not bulletproof. We are, not, uh, we are subject at some point to spiritual attack when it comes after us. So the enemy seeks to come and deceive every single one of us in one way or in the other. He either tries to put external pressure from the world, and we've sinned like that. How many of you have ever just followed the ways of the devil? I'm just Raise your hand. Raise your hand nice and loud. Let's give, you, you, give the honor and the glory to God. You followed the ways. I'm not talking about last Tuesday. I'm talking about, you know, at some point in time in your life. We'll ask you about it later uh, publicly. But no. Well, how many of you just followed the ways of the devil? Just raise your hand. Go ahead, raise it again. Yeah, we all, yeah, we all did. That's what he's saying. That's the whole point. Every single one of us has followed the ways of the devil. Every single one of us has been bound up by the pressure, the external pressure of the world to conform to this world's order. And this is the enemy's enticement to us, and it's also the, the idea that, that we're being pressured into that. And so, um, you know, we see that, uh, remember, remember the, the letter to the, the church at Pergamum in Revelation chapter 2, verse 12. Uh, Pergamum, it says, that, it says, talks about that place being... Uh, place that was under demonic control. Remember, he talks about it as being a place where Satan's throne is. It's also the place where uh, Antipas is murdered there, and, and, and so where persecution is, that is a place of Satan's throne. That's interesting, isn't it? Now, we've been praying for decades for the 1040 window. 1040 window was the longitude and latitude windows. If you've been a part of this church for a long time, you remember when we used to have weekly prayer meetings to break through the, the 1040 window. And now we see missionary after missionary after missionary going to that very place. And we see miracles and visions happening amongst those people. That's predominantly a Muslim area, so that, that, that's a, it's a breakthrough. But there's also persecution. So, so you're breaking into the ground where Satan's throne is. And so there's an element of spiritual warfare uh, wrapped up in this. It says... As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient, or in, as the ESV says, in the sons of disobedience. And so we recognize that there's this ongoing spirit. Now you, th you thought when you were just serving the, the enemy or when you were just out following the ways of the world, you thought you were doing your own thing, but you were never doing your own thing. You were always doing the devil's thing, right? We don't like to say that. We like to think we're in control, and the more you think you're in control, the more you're under his control, 
right? Because you're, you're, you're operating according to that. And that's, Paul is celebrating. He's saying, look, at this is who you were. You were, you were bad to the bone. You were rotten to the core. You were, you were rotten through and through. Now that you've been saved for a while, you don't like to think of yourself as that. You like to think of yourself as worthy of being rescued by God. As if there was something redeemable in your life before you knew Christ. And I'm here to tell you that that is dangerous thinking. We are human garbage, every one of us. We only mean anything to anyone because of what Jesus has done in our life. That's really the honest to God truth. And that's what Paul is trying to say as he, as he says this over and again through here. All of us lived among them at one time. He's saying we, we all did this. We, every single one of us lived among the pagans in the world and lived amongst those who were serving the devil. All of us lived among them at one time gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature. Oh, the third way you can sin. You can sin either by being pressured by the world, sin by being enticed by the enemy, or sin by living according to the, the pleasures of your sinful flesh. So by this definition, I am a sinner par excellence. Right? I am a sinner. I'm a sinner's sinner. That's the truth. I, I sinned in all three categories. Didn't you? Don't be pointing your finger at me. I'm talking about you too. I'm just using myself as an illustration. It's a common rhetorical a trick that we use. You are dirty, rotten, low down, lower than a snake's belly in a wagon rut. You are so low that you have to use a stepladder to look out of your socks. That's how low you are. And God, in His great mercy, God, in His great mercy, saw you, saw me. Hallelujah. All of us lived among them. All of us gratified our fleshly cravings. All of us followed our desires and the thoughts of our mind, our feelings and our philosophies to try to have a good life. All of us did that. And the result, Paul says, is that we, like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath, destined for hell and the flames, destined for, for a life without God, destined for coming under the wrath of God. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. I, I want you, when you're going through a difficult time, when you've stumbled and failed, when you've, when you've fallen and you feel as though there's no way you can possibly get yourself up, I want you to go back and read this passage of Scripture. God who is rich in mercy. God who is rich in mercy. Even though I'm a dirty no-count, even though there's nothing good in me, even though I've failed Him again and again, God is rich in mercy. No matter how many times I fall and I fall and I fall, God is always going to be rich in mercy. That's what rich means. He never runs out of mercy. Getting excited, I don't want to blow my, my voice out. God, rich in mercy, He made us alive even when we were dead 
in sin. Even when we were dead in sin. Knowing where we were and how dead we really were. We were just zombies walking around with the spiritual death on us. How stupid are we that we thought that we were living it up? That's really living, right? You remember we've deceived ourselves, remember? We snorted stuff and smoked stuff and stuck needles in our veins. We drank poison and it made us inebriated and throw up. And we said, what a party! Let's do it again tomorrow night. Morons. Spiritual dullards. We're living in the futility of our own thinking. That's what the, Paul calls it. The inability to, to, to overcome. This is a picture of who we were, but it's also a warning to us because left to our own devices, left to our own thinking, left to walking in our own philosophies, left to thinking it through and doing it our way, we could fall right back into this, couldn't we? It always cracks me up when I go to a, a restaurant, usually an Italian restaurant, that's playing Frank Sinatra's My Way. Why is that mostly heard in an Italian restaurant? I don't know. But anyway, he did it. He did Right, because he's Italian, right? Yeah. I get it. What a horrible theology that song has. Right? I did it my way. All of God's purpose is for us to do it His way. Doing it our way ends up in spiritual death and ultimately brings us to the place where we have nothing spiritual alive within us. It's amazing to me. It's amazing to me how stupid I am that I could fall for what the enemy was trying to hook me into. It happens in other ways to us as, as believers now. The enemy still comes. He still comes to entice. He tries to get us into that conversation where we can compromise our soul. He tries to draw us into relationships that are illicit. He tries to bring us into, into places that are, that are not right for us. Always wooing us. Always, the world is pushing us this way. You're a freak because you don't do it the way that they do it. Right? And so you feel almost compelled, you know, to, to go out there. I remember I was once, this is a long time ago, I was working for a guy, and he said, come on, every day, every Friday at the end of the week, come on out with us, have a beer with us, every, and, and you know, I, I did, never went with him. So finally one day I thought, well, you know, maybe I should just go and be a witness. And so I went there, and I drank uh, a soda, you know, with them, and they were going through beer, they were buying rounds, and, it, and I was drinking more, I, could, I, I thought I was never going to leave the bathroom. I drank so many Pepsis while they were just buying rounds and we were shooting pool and talking, you know, whatever trash you talk when you're in a bar drinking, you know, that's what they were talking. And, and I realized there's no way for me to be a witness here. It's, it's impossible. After three beers, they weren't hearing anything I had to say. And so I quit drinking the beers. And No, I'm just kidding. They were drinking the beers. I was drinking soda. And so... Um, I, it, the idea behind it was that I felt pressured to go there. I felt pressured. I was a pastor. I was, I'd gone through Bible college. I had uh, many years of serving the Lord under my belt, but I felt pressured to go. It still happens to us, doesn't it? The same tricks. The enemy has the same tricks. And so we find ourselves in that place. And so God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ 
and we should be giving praise and honor to God. Even while we were dead in sin, while we were yet sinners, Paul says in Romans 5, God made us alive in Christ because of this one thing that we sang about tonight, grace. Because of grace. Not greasy grace. You know, some people, some people believe in greasy grace. I don't believe in greasy grace. You know what greasy grace is? It's the kind of grace that means you don't have to do anything or live for the Lord or acknowledge the existence of God ever. You just had to pray a prayer when you were a little lad, and you never have to acknowledge God anymore after that. You have to sign a card at the altar at the church, and then suddenly you're a believer. But you have to be a, if you're going to be a believer, you have to begin believing and then continue believing, right? It's the doctrine of perseverance. We have to continue, continue on. And, and so we may, that doesn't mean we don't fall or fail or stumble. We do that. But, but greasy grace is the kind of grace that comes on us and we can't get it off of us. You ever, you ever get grease on your fingers? You ever eat cold fried chicken? Huh? My favorite meal. One of my favorite meals, cold fried chicken. Used to be a place that they would have, they would sell you yesterday's fried chicken cold. It was awesome. I'll buy you some. You'll, I'll turn your mind around on it. But when you were done eating it, you had grace, you had grease all over your fingers. Grease all over your fingers. And I was a painter at the time, so I had paint on my hands, you know. And I was out working, I ate my cold chicken, and I looked down at my fingers, and the grease had removed all the paint from my fingers. And I guess that all went in. So if I die from paint poisoning, you'll know why. It's the chicken. That's what the <clears throat> You can't get it off. You've got to wash and wash and wash to get that grease off your fingers. If you have an iPad, you know, isn't it disgusting? If you were to look at my iPad right now, you would see fingerprints for a long time past. I hardly ever clean it off because I think it's kind of a testament of how much I use it. And all those nasty, greasy fingerprints full of germs and everything. You'd see it's just disgusting all over, little fingerprints all over it. You'd see you can't get it off, little fingerprints. That's what I get. And so, 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 the, so you, you get that. And, and there's a lot of people who think that's the way salvation is. You fall into it when you're three years old, and all of a sudden you can't get it off of you. I don't believe that. I don't believe the Bible teaches that. Greasy grace is a kind you slip into, an easy, cheap grace that is meaningless. I believe in... in the grace that Jesus talks about where you fall in love with Jesus and there's times when you're more in love with him than you are now and times where you're a little bit less in love with him, but you're always in love with him, right? And the more you love him, the more you're walking in this grace and you experience his, his, his personhood, his, his character, his promises, and all these things are coming to you as you're living out this life of grace. And, and this is what Paul is saying. He's celebrating grace. He says, listen, God did this. He raised you from the dead with Christ, and, and he did this, for it's by grace we are saved. Then he comes back to that in just another sentence. He gives an ellipsis there, a little, little moment to, to speak of another thing. But then he comes back and he says, it's by grace that you're saved through faith, and this is not from yourself, it's from God. This is a gift from God. Even our salvation comes as the gift of even our ability to respond is from God's grace. The ability to believe is, the, is, is, our, is a gift of God's grace into our life so that we can believe what he has given to us and we can walk in the grace of God. What a blessing it is to be saved tonight, to be set free from all the junk in the world. 
and to, and to, to, to live our lives in a way that we live every day celebrating our deliverance from, from what every human being is trapped in. We're walking around celebrating every day. We have great celebration. We are free. We've been delivered. We, we, why, why are we not talking about this? If, the, if you had a vitamin that would do this, you would be making millions of dollars. Right? If you had something that you rolled up and smoked that made that you would be slinging this stuff on the, on the corner as fast and be making a million dollars. Why are we not busy telling people that are, that are bound up in sin, bound up in darkness, bound up in a life of death, the walking dead that we're walking around in zombie land here, USA, why are we not celebrating? I thank you, God, I'm no longer bound. Why aren't we living our lives with such a, a, a grandiose uh, uh, boldness wherever we go? Why aren't we living our life with just being able to say to people around us, I used to do that. Thank you, God, I'm free from that. Why aren't we bragging a little bit about the works that the Lord has done? You see, people think that they have to change. I remember I was witnessing to my brother once. We were painting a bathroom. If you're ever painting a bathroom with somebody, that's a perfect time to witness to them because bathrooms are small, Right? And they can't get away. I was standing in the tub, and he was standing over there by the toilet, and we were just an arm's length from each other, and I thought, this is the moment. And I'm going to tell him about Jesus. He can't go anywhere because we're painting his bathroom. He's, he's got to finish. He's not going to leave the bathroom to me. And so while I was there, I told him, he, he said, I will give my life to the Lord. I will. I will. One day, I, I just got to clean some things up. Oh, that's the way the world thinks. You just got to get it together, and then you can get it together. Brother, if you could get it together, you'd had it together a long time ago. You're dead. You're hopelessly bound up. You're the walking dead. You can't do that. You can't even think clear until God touches your life with, with spiritual life. And that, that's where we have experienced that. We need to be sharing that because there's people think, I just need to, you know, quit doing this and quit hanging out with that one and dump my girlfriend and before my wife finds out and all these other things. And, and do all that, and then I can come to Jesus. No, you know, you catch the fish, and then you clean the fish. Everybody knows that, right? You know, you, you don't clean the fish in the, in the lake and then catch it. You catch it first, and so you have, to, you, you, you have to give your life to Jesus. Put your mouth on the hook, and then he'll do the cleaning of it. He'll help you. He'll help you cut that stuff loose, and he'll, he'll give you a freedom because you'll begin to own up to stuff that you did. I told my wife a lot of sins that I did. <clears throat> Not 100% all of them, because I was embarrassed. But, but some things I told her that were tremendously, I can't even imagine telling her all of it. I just had 30 years ago, 35 years ago. 35? Yeah? Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. And uh, <laughs> 27 wonderful years of marriage. Anyway, so, <clears throat> and so, I, I, I told her, I was totally honest. In a moment of clarity in our relationship, we didn't have any kids then. We were just living the life of luxury in a, in a 12 by 60 single wide trailer down in Missouri going to Bible college. And uh, <clears throat> yes, I am trailer trash. And so, so we, I, was, I just started confessing all the stuff I'd done in my life before Christ. But I figured she was probably going to find out sooner or later. I didn't even know Facebook was coming around. But, yeah. 
So I was glad I, would, I, practiced, I did that, and the Holy Spirit just began. And I had huge catharsis as I opened up. There was a, a cleaning, a cleansing, a, a purifying as I shared these things that I'd done that really didn't involve her at all. But the, the, as, as I opened myself up to her, I, you know, it just it was it was healthy for me. She, on the other hand, had to carry that around with her the rest of her life, and has to see that whenever she looks at me. I don't know if that was a blessing for her, but it was a blessing for me. So the idea behind this is that we, as as believers, we have this freedom. We can walk in this, and so I I can identify with so many people who have gone through difficulty, and their faith wavers, but. My testimony is this, that no matter what I go through, God always shows up. No matter what I go through, it's not always the way I want it. It's not always when I want it to show up. But God always shows up, and I'm so thankful to God for that. So we, we were dead, now we're alive. We were objects of wrath, now we're objects of his great love. God loves to love his children. God's theme song is in heaven is, love to love you, baby. Ooh, love to love you, baby. See, God almost took my voice away for just singing that worldly song here in church. So God's faith is given to us, a gift from God, so that we don't boast, so that we don't get caught up with pride. Paul knows about this. Have you thought about who wrote this? The guy who had a thorn in his flesh because of his pride. The guy who prayed three times, Lord, take it away, and God said, my grace is sufficient for you. That guy writes and tells us about this so that no one can boast. Don't be thinking you're all that. Don't be thinking you're, you're, don't get self-righteous. Don't get self-righteous. Don't think, we have a tendency to forget what a dirt ball we once were. It is only because of the love of God. That doesn't mean you didn't have to try. That doesn't mean there weren't things you had to do. It just means that God's love was the impetus. It was the, the powerful force that moved you from death into life, that moved you from darkness into the light. God's, God's purpose and His power is flowing through us today because of what God did in us at salvation. And so... If God's theme song is, I love to love you, baby, our theme song should be, hi-ho. Hi-ho, hi-ho, it's off to work we go. We exist, according to the scripture here, as God's workmanship. All of us are created. This is a special word here created as, as sort of a, as an artisan would craft something so that God could use us. In, he's not talking about us as human beings. He's talking about us as redeemed human beings. When we're redeemed, the redemption that happens in our life, the change in our life stands out like, like some amazing craftsman has been working on your life. And it shouldn't take 40 years for them to figure out, wait, you're a little bit different now. There should be a radical change on the inside of our life because something radical has happened. We exist as the workmanship of God created by God for this specific purpose. Isn't that what the image of God is? Isn't the Im- God the creator creates man 
as a creator in his image. We carry, we bear upon us the, the, the rulership of, of the, the planet. We are rulers of the planet. Uh, I know we like to save the baby seals and the baby whales and everything, but they have nothing compared to humans. Humans are the top of the food chain. I know people don't like that. My vegan friends don't like that. <clears throat> I had a brother in the Lord who tried to convince me to become a vegan, which is a tough sell. Because a vegan is a person who only eats th uh, fruity and nutty stuff. No meat. And I said, my dear brother, God has equipped me with canine teeth for ripping and tearing. If you look in your mouth, you'll see these sharp pointed teeth. That ain't for grinding grain. It may be healthy for you to be a vegan. I was talking with somebody today. <clears throat> we were talking about veganism. Vegans in, mid, in the Midwest are like, oh, I'm, I'm a vegan. I'm, I, I'm a vegan. Oh, really? You never eat any meat? Well, I had a beef sandwich yesterday, but most of the time, I'm a vegan. Very rarely find, am I, if you're a vegan here, I don't, make the, I don't mean to make you uncomfortable. I'm just warning other people about you. So you rarely, I'm just kidding. You rarely find people, I, I'm going to get another letter. I'm going to get another letter this week, right? <laughs> Probably. Okay, I apologize. If you want to eat only nuts and berries, hallelujah. Go nuts. <clears throat> but don't bang on me because I'm using the teeth that God gave me for the right purpose. Huh? <laughs> oh, are you a vegan? Oh, you've been delivered? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Lord, praise the Oh, I will tell you, it's wonderful to eat meat. Let me take a moment just to describe my experience eating meat. <clears throat> no, you can't describe it. It's like the love of Jesus, only tastier. So we exist as the workmanship of God. God created us in his image. How did I get talking about veganism? In Jesus' name, we just erased that from the tape. And from your minds, too. Use the Vulcan mind meld. It never happened. <clears throat> It's, I have no cold medicine. No, this is totally raw. Me in the raw. No, not completely in the raw, but yeah. If we, if we, I did go to a raw restaurant though one time. <laughs> have you ever been to a raw restaurant? We went down, we, we ate at this raw restaurant, fine, a great raw restaurant, and they take bird seed and then they mill it and then they mash it into the shape of a pork chop like a little T-bone, and they call it, you can order it, you, you order it as a pork chop, but clearly it's not a pork chop. It's millet. It's, it's bird seed. It's what the people in Ghana, Africa, have to eat when the harvest is bad, okay? And so, uh, and, and so we paid hundreds of dollars to eat this, didn't we, babe? And, and my, we went with my brother, who was, he was a vegan dabbler, and, and so... And so as he dabbled in his veganism, we, we said, okay, we'll go check it out. You know, we paid hundreds of dollars for birdseed. I'm like, you can get, get this 50-pound bag of this for $5 at Ace. I don't know. I don't understand it. But we went there. Uh, I'll just say this about that, that restaurant. Nature has never made a more potent cleanser 
than birdseed. I'll tell you that right now. And I don't know, that was enough, really. But And it was so expensive. And later my brother said, you are the only two people who would ever go with us to that restaurant. We asked all of our friends to go with us. No one would go, but you two went to that. Didn't he say that? Right. Because <clears throat> we are suckers from the very beginning. So we are God's workmanship. That was for free. We are God's workmanship created in his image. It's the image of Christ in us. God's image on us, and we, we create little things, and we don't create them. We, we sin if we go out and create those in our image, right? So if we go to our workplace and we create something in our workplace and we create it after our image rather than even pastors creating things after their own image, ministries after their own image in their church, that's sinful because God didn't create us to make things in our own image. We were supposed to make those things in God's image, and God's image in you may look slightly different than God's image in me, but it will still be merciful and kind and loving and peaceful and, you know, all those things. And so we, we are to be creators of these things, and we're supposed to find these works that God, remember, hi-ho, we're supposed to be finding these works that were created beforehand for us to accomplish ourselves. And that's the expression of grace. The expression of grace is someone who works. Oh, I missed that. The expression of grace is somebody who works. Somebody who, who says, God did so much for me, I've just got to tell somebody. God did so much for me, I just want to work and please him in the work of my hands so that he'll get all the honor. Whatever my hands find to do, may it be for the glory of God. I, whatever I do, whatever I say, I want the words on my lips and the meditation of my heart to be acceptable in God's sight. Oh, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I want everything about me to be completely pointing people to Jesus. I want people to, not to say, there goes some idiot, there goes a, 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 a self-important self person, but I want them to say, that person represents God, and that he's pointing people to Jesus wherever he goes. That's the whole purpose. That's, that's what grace does. How can I know if I am saved? Well, did you confess your sins to the Lord? I've, I've really found this over the years. <clears throat> it's so much, it's difficult for remember, me to remember my sins. I, I have a lot, so it's, it's hard for me to remember them all. But I try to keep my list short, my, my accounts short with the Lord. And so if I owe... Even in the natural, if I owe somebody money, I, I'm uncomfortable owing them money. Are you like that? You, you're, you know, some people they can owe you thousands of dollars, and they, you know, it doesn't phase them a bit, right? You're like, doesn't he feel bad? He's eating at my table again, you know. He owes me thousands of dollars, and so, but no, some people, but I'm one of those people that if I owe you twenty bucks, and, and I remember, you can remind me if I do owe you twenty bucks, not all at once, please. But you can remind me, and I will be more than happy to make that right with you because I don't like having outstanding debts out there, right? I like to keep my list short. So when I mess up, I, I frequently stop right at the, in the middle of that, that sin, right? right? You know, I'll catch myself, and, and I'll come to the Lord with that sin and my, 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 that, that evil thought, that, that, that judgment of another person. And then when I, when I catch it, then I, I go to the Lord. and I. So what, do you confess your sins to the Lord? Do you believe in your heart? God saved Jesus? Do you, do you, have you received the grace of God? He's given you that. And then look at your life 
And are you doing anything for the kingdom of God? Are you doing anything for the kingdom of God? Because I think you don't get what a real rotten person you were if you're not doing anything. Not that you could work your way into the kingdom. Not, not that. It's evidence of some internal change in your life. This is, this is difficult for us to get because we have people who side up with, oh, you've got to work real hard and get, and get yourself saved. That's not right. That's, that's works righteousness. That, that means nothing. And, and, and in fact, the more you do that, the further you get away from real grace. And there's other people who just say, oh, greasy grace, you get it on you, you can never get it off. And, but there's, there's, there's the real balance in it where you, you say, it's real for me. Churches are filled with people who aren't real. Somebody say amen. Some of them are, are behind the pulpit. Some of them are not for real in the church. Some of them are in leadership in the church. They're not for real. But people who are for real are busy doing something for Jesus. Putting their arm around something, somebody, giving them an encouraging word, helping little old ladies across the street, whatever, whatever, however that manifests, it can't, grace has to manifest in an excitement and joy in the work that you do. So the good news is that God took your sorry behind out of darkness and into light. And it didn't happen because you worked hard. It happened because he loved you, because he is rich in mercy. So God is making it rain with mercy, right? And you're standing under the spout, and you're receiving what God has for you, and all you can do is just say, I just want to show Abba that I love him. That's all I just, I know, this doesn't give me any extra brownie points. I don't get a special seat in heaven. I don't get padded pews in heaven. I just get to, to love him more. And so we do, remember when you're first married, probably you've been married for a while, this hasn't happened for a while, but remember when you're first married, ladies, you probably remember this, and, and your husband came in and he did stuff for you without you asking. You remember back, way back those days, you know, you didn't have to ask, now you have to yell and make threats and steal the car keys and all that kind of stuff. But in the beginning, he just wanted to, he just wanted to please you because you, you, the beautiful you was crazy enough to marry him, that Nimrod. You married that Nimrod, the beautiful you. And so he would do anything. Where do you want to eat, baby? I'll take you any place you want to go, right? Now it's like, no, I want to go eat this. We should live our life in the freshness of the relationship with God. And it should be great joy. It should be great joy. It's, it's an amazing love relationship that we have with God. And we live it out. God loves you. God's, God's amazingly in love with you. Even if you're a vegan, God loves you. God, in His mercy has changed your life. You should be so thankful for that. That I'm not the same selfish so-and-so that I once was. And that I get to live my life on the stage where other people will look at me. Well, we Sometimes as Christians, we resent that, that other people will look at us. Oh, I've got to drive reasonably close to the speed limit because of that Christian bumper sticker on the back of my car, right? <clears throat> you know? You have that Christian bumper sticker that says, I pass you at this speed because I'm on my way to heaven. 
we have to be careful that we don't view living in the eye, the watchful eye of the public all around us. So be careful that we don't, we don't think that a burden. It's the great privilege. You say, well, sometimes it's, it's a hassle because they see me, they acknowledge me. People who I haven't seen in church in months will yell across the, the jewel and say, hey, brother, how are you doing? And you're like, I don't remember their name. And they caught me, you know, with this food in my, this vegan food in my basket. What will they think of me? Just kidding. And, and they, they think of, they, they see, they see the way we're living. And so we're, we're a little embarrassed, but we should never be embarrassed because we're free in Christ. And because of this great joy, we have the privilege of living this out in front of other people. And let them point, let them laugh, let them, let them, you know, let them, uh, well, haters going to hate. That's what Taylor Swift said, right? Right? So we, I quoted Taylor Swift. Yeah, that cracked her up, right? Yeah. <clears throat> so, Jess can't stop singing that song now in her mind. She's thinking it right now. We're, we recognize that we live in this platform where people are watching us. It's a great privilege. People will watch us, and we get the joy of seeing lives change. We're going to get to heaven, and somebody's going to say, because you lived your life this way, because you were the real deal, because you were the genuine article, I, I, I looked into Jesus and found him to be faithful and a savior. You know, you think it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't matter. But uh, I'm a t is it okay if I tell that story about your, your, your buddy who passed away at your work? For years, Mark would come and pray, and prayed in his personal life, I'm sure, but we would pray together frequently at the altar for his co-worker who wrestled with alcohol. And there were times I remember Mark and I, Mark and I would talk, and Mark would say, I don't see anything happening. But at some point, and it took a series of bad things to happen in his life, he, he, uh, he, he found himself without a job. I'm trying to clean this up a little bit. And then he, uh, he was desperate. After he passed away, we heard from the neighbor who was a, friend and a caregiver to him, and found his Bible, right, as we were preparing for his funeral, found his Bible, and I remember her saying how, to me at the end of the funeral how powerful the witness of Mark's life was to him. You may never see that Mark had the great privilege to realize that living on the platform of somebody else's life, <clears throat> you don't always see it. But, but, but Mark could, could see it. We found the Bible verses in his Bible circled and underlined, notes underneath there. I don't know where from, from where. And so, and I, as I recall, we used those verses to preach his, his memorial. But the, the cool thing is, what a great privilege to be the one 
who's walking the streets of gold at some point in time. And somebody comes and pulls on your angelic robe, which you're going to look marvelous in, Mark. And <clears throat> tugging on your pant leg, as you turn around, you'll, it'll be there, this brother. I never got to tell you this while we were on earth. But the reality of Jesus in your life turned me towards the loving God. And I found the God who is rich in mercy, who saved me by his glorious grace. It's going to be great if we can just not see it as a burden and live our life as once objects of wrath, now objects of his great love. Amen. <laughs> Thanks for listening to today's message. We hope you were blessed by it. If there's anything that we can do to help you further your relationship with God, we would love to be a part of it. You can contact us through our website, www.berwinag.org. Thank you, and God bless.